Welcome to Vallejo's Community Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast on Sunday, February 23rd, 2020. The Reverend Wendy Kamori Stager is preaching. The message is, Is the Lord Among Us or Not? The Old Testament scripture lesson this morning is Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. The New Testament lesson is Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9a and 14 through 20. You believe it. You sing it and you believe it. I can tell. Our second scripture reading from the New Testament comes from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9a and 14 through 20. On some church calendars, this is Transfiguration Sunday, and so if you have been coming to church a long time, you might have heard this because it comes up every year. Hear, then, the word of God today. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with them. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came, touched them, saying, Get up. Do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. They were coming down the mountain, and they came to the crowd. A man came to Jesus, knelt before him, and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Here ends the reading. Please join me in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, 
who is as close to us as our breath. Help us to understand the meaning of your word this day. Help us to see ourselves clearly and help us to hear your will clearly. And then help us to act and follow faithfully. Amen. Is the Lord among us or not? It's no secret that the church as we know it is in a decline. Your interim minister, Ron, kept talking about it ad nauseum, as you all have told me. And the most recent guest preacher talked about whether the church was a club, a hub, or a pub, and highlighted a church that he had visited that had closed and turned into a bar. And CPC is not alone in this, nor an exception to a much larger cultural trend. And this year, 2020, we are sooner than I expected facing a turning point. I was surprised and the leadership was surprised at the deficit budget and the size of that deficit. Not because we haven't been good stewards of what we have, but because some faithful members have died or moved away. And the temptation is here to whine and complain, to question the leadership, and to ask, well, what are we going to do? And I really miss the days when we had lots of children filling all those Sunday school rooms. And it was, it was easy then. And what are you and like the session, when are you all going to fix this for us? And I wonder, is the Lord among us or not? We are not the only people who have asked this question in one form or another because it's a question that people of faith ask. And so we have two stories from Scripture, one from the Old Testament, one from the New of people who are wondering where God is. Our Old Testament from Exodus is the people of God wandering through the desert. The desert and the wilderness is a dry place. And they were camped out and there was no water nearby. And so the people looked to their leader, Moses, and said, Give us the water. Where's the water? Water is a real need, right? They're not saying, hey, we wish we had a piece of candy. They're like, no, we need water. But they came pretty unhappy. And after they were unhappy, they got even more sort of blaming. Hey, why did you bring us here out of Egypt just to kill us? And Moses then is like, wait, 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 wait. Did I bring you out of here? This was not my idea. I tried to get out of this, right? And so then cries out and prays to God, um, what do I do with these people? Uh, they're, they're angry at me. And why do I have to be the leader of all this right now? But the Lord answered Moses and answered his prayer and told him, go, go on ahead. And take some of the elders with you. This is a key leadership thing. Don't go alone. Take some other people with you. And take in your hand the staff with which you struck 
the Nile. So now in context, this part about being thirsty, this comes after Moses has struck the river, the waters parted, and the Israelites escaped the army of the Egyptians by walking across dry land. So it says, take the elders and take this powerful thing and remember what I have already done for you in the past. And by the way, in chapter 16, the people said, well, we were hungry in that chapter. And God gave manna from the heavens, provided them a source of daily bread. And at dusk, there was a whole flock of quail. And they hunted the quail and they ate meat for dinner. So God in the past has provided has helped them escape slavery, has given them bread, has given them meat. And now the people say, but where's the water? But God makes this promise. I will be standing there in front of you. Tells Moses, strike the rock and water will come out of it. And the people may drink. And it all happens as God has said. And so then the people can drink the water and they keep moving further into the desert rather than turning around to go back to Egypt. And Moses calls this place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites asked those questions and they tested and they wondered and they quarreled. And they asked that question, is the Lord among us or not. In our New Testament scripture story, I'm starting in the second half of the text about when they came down the mountain. So immediately after this transfiguration, Jesus and Peter and James and John, they come down the mountain and there's a crowd standing in front of them. And when they came to the crowd, one particular man immediately surged forward, came to Jesus, and is asking for help. He's a desperate father whose son is in danger. His son is under control, is, 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 has forces beyond his control. Now we might call it epilepsy. So he gets seizures and he falls on the ground and he foams at the mouth. Then they often called it like a demon possession. I also wonder if in our current uh, system, demon possession might be similar to mental illness. There's something beyond the control of the father, beyond the control of the son. And so this father comes and to Jesus and says, have mercy on me, have mercy on us, help us. And he says, I actually did take him to your disciples and tried to get them to help, but they failed. They didn't help. They didn't cure him. And Jesus' response sounds a little annoyed. You faithless and perverse generation. How much longer must I put up with you? Jesus is rebuking the disciples perhaps the very ones who weren't able to cure him. I'm not sure here if he's rebuking the ones who were down the mountain or if he was also rebuking the ones who were with him on the mountain. 
But Jesus, as the leader, gets a little frustrated with his followers, including his closest disciples. And Jesus rebukes the demon, and it comes out of him, and the boy was cured instantly. And then the disciples came, and they looked to Jesus later, and they're like, um, wait, 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 what's different between you and me? I think my snarky answer is, well, Jesus is God, and you're not. But, you know, what is, what's the difference? And Jesus says, because of your little faith. Now, this is the same Jesus and the same disciples who had just witnessed Jesus being transfigured. Is there any more clear way to see that God is God than to have a figure turn dazzling white before you, to have its faith, have Jesus' face glow, to have a voice thundering out of the clouds saying, this is my son, listen to him. They just had this experience on the top of the mountain. They come down the mountain and they're like, oh, I don't know what's going on anymore. Maybe, wait, do we know what we're doing? Is the Lord among us or not? Is God alive and working in the crowds down the mountain, not just up the mountain where everything was shiny? They're asking that question. And then there's Diviner, Divine Redeemer Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas, in our own country and in our own age. They have a beautiful building, mission-style chapel done by a famous architect, and have been a predominantly Hispanic and Latino congregation, but are also living in the poorest zip code in San Antonio in a city that is deeply economically segregated. And then, due to internal conflicts, the church had separated from their longtime mission partner, the House of Neighborly Service, in the 1990s. Plus, their members, in part supported by the Presbyterian Church USA connections and private schools and scholarships, had become upwardly mobile. And many of those churches' families then left the local area and moved to a more affluent and safer part of the city. The leadership there had questions, wondering what to do. Should we pick up and move the church to a different neighborhood, perhaps closer to where members are now? They're asking this question, is the Lord among us or not? And another church that's in decline. Their pastor, Rob Mueller, believed indeed that the Lord was among them and in that neighborhood and in that midst. And he tells this story in this book, The Neighbor, Neighborhood Church, that one time that he especially did know that God was in their midst was following a tragedy on their block for a shooting occurred just across the street from the face of the church. There was a drug house over there, 
And the shooting, there had been shootings in the neighborhood, but they had been in the evenings. But this shooting happened at 10 in the morning on a Tuesday when people were standing in line for their food distribution program. And the pastor was stunned. I mean, he knew the gun violence was right here, but then he got afraid. I mean, he had given a statement to the police. Yes, this happened at this time. This is what I saw. This is the car that sits outside that house. So then, what if people wanted to target the pastor? And he got afraid about talking to the authorities, but he was kind of already out there. And then he had this realization, wait, that's how this neighborhood must feel all the time. And he started listening to the neighbors about the drug activity and their fears of retribution if they ever spoke out and told the police about it. And what, what they were able to do together was a strategy where folks could report drug dealing, violence, complicated neighbors to the church. And then the church collectively and sort of anonymously could relay that information to law enforcement, to the county, to the police. As a result of all of that combined energy, they were able to collectively shut down five drug dealing locations in their area. And a sense of hope is rising in their neighborhood. Is the Lord among that church or not? I think it is. And Rob Mueller articulates his faith with two convictions. One is the conversion from scarcity to abundance. Trusting, perhaps, like Moses and like Jesus, that God has provided in the past and will provide for the next thing we need. And to not allow those fears of scarcity to paralyze a congregation into becoming like a hermit crab who crawls inside its shell, its borrowed shell, and never comes out. The second place that he encourages people to is to convert to our neighbors and to our neighborhoods. He writes this, If our Christian conviction regarding incarnation, being in the flesh, teaches us anything, it is this. The world we live in is the place we encounter God. Paula D'Arcy says, God comes disguised as our life. Consequently, the neighborhoods where we abide are places of revelation where we encounter God if we are paying attention. We are all raised with a set of lenses that both focuses and obscures the presence of God Looking for signs of life amidst the signs that oppose life is a discipline we must cultivate. For instance, when one comes from a social class that enjoys privilege, it is easy to miss the gifts that are present in the midst of an impoverished neighborhood. Rob says this about himself. He says, embracing incarnation means embracing the very messiness of life and expecting God to be there. The holy is tangled up with the unholy. 
And in some places, that can be really, really messy. But if we think and keep looking that Jesus is sitting up on top of the mountain, we might miss the very healing that Jesus is doing down the mountain. So what about us? What about Community Presbyterian Church in Vallejo in 2020? Would we rather stay up on top of the mountain and build a house there? Or do we pick up and follow Jesus down the mountains and in to the face of the crowds who have needs? Are we like the people of Israel, quarreling with our leaders and complaining when they don't fix things? Will we follow when the leader says, let's go on up ahead and I'll bring this staff with me? Do we see the abundance of God's provision in this neighborhood? And do we have faith, faith the size of a mustard seed, faith that would move mountains, and faith that would move a declining church to a church that thrives where it is? It's the same question. Is the Lord among us or not? Amen. You have been listening to Community Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Community Presbyterian Church and its ministries, come visit us at 2800 Georgia Street in Vallejo, California. Or visit our website, cpcvaleo.org. You can also email us at cpcvaleo at sbcglobal.net. Have a blessed day.